You are listening to the Fancy Free Podcast, where my girlfriends and I tell our most embarrassing, funny stories so that we all feel less alone in our imperfections and forge connection through vulnerability and humor. I'm Joanne Jarrett, and I am your host, and you guys are going to be so thrilled with today's guest. Kat Zecker is back with us, and she was so much fun last time. We laughed our heads off, and you guys loved her so Here she is again. She's slightly hesitant to be trying to live up to last time's episode, but I told her as long as she and I are amused that we're good. (laughs) Kat is a doctor mom and she is doctor momming to the best of her abilities. She tries to give effective feedback to 20 somethings and the K through five crowd, two very different crowds and herself on occasion. Kat, thank you so much for coming back on the Fancy Free Show. Well, it was an absolute fall last time. So, of course, I went out and did more embarrassing things just for y'all. Yay! (laughs) We owe you. So remind the listeners who don't remember your details, you are a, a physician and also an attending. So tell us about your professional life a little bit. Right. So I am a doctor who teaches doctors. I am now out in the clinic setting, very much ambulatory focused, lots of preventative care, primary health care, and getting residents to work through those nuances there, which is always really difficult but rewarding. That has been a really good balance for me to now have a little bit of extra time to dedicate to my long-term academic goals as well as my family. Awesome. We're going to get to know you a little better with some rapid fire questions. What is your love language? Definitely acts of service. So if somebody just comes to me and says, Kat, I got this. I can do this. You don't have to worry about dinner. You don't have to worry about this planning thing. I just ah, melt. (laughs) Something that comes off my plate. You know what I realized very recently? I would say acts of service is my secondary love language. Luckily for my husband, my first love language is words of affirmation, which he naturally does. But my secondary one is acts of service. And Sometimes I'll ask him to take something off my plate and then he wants me to walk him through it and like converse with him about it and make decisions. And I'm like, you're not taking this off my plate. You're just making me have to have a conversation about it. So this is like worse than if you would just go away and do it or I'll do it myself. It's just funny how we try so hard in each other's lives to fulfill these needs and and man, we're not perfect at it. (laughs) I've gone through a big period of self-growth and learning to ask people for things is terrifying. But once you get good at it, your life does actually get easier. You're so right. It is. What you realize is that a lot of people just really like helping out. So it's like a double blessing. And if you can kind of get over the fear and the pride of asking for help. And for me, it wasn't so much the pride of asking for help as it was relinquishing the control of how it was done. And I think that's a growing up thing too, where you have to go, if I have help, I'm going to have to let them do it their own way. And that's really hard. So I'll just do it all myself. When you finally get to the point where like, I need help and I'm going to let them do it their own way. It's like, ah. <laughs> 100%. There might not be a vegetable on the dinner plate, but everybody is fed and happy. Exactly. It's like, good enough. Moving on. <laughs> okay. If you could have any celebrity be your best friend, who would you pick? Oh, absolutely. It would be Amy Poehler. I would have to have some sort of protective garment because I know it would be that laugh so hard all the time you pee yourself kind of scenario. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Defensive garments if you're going to hang around with her, huh? (laughs) No, she's just so vibrant and easygoing and genuine that we would have a ball together. I guarantee it. Now, Amy Poehler is the one who plays on Parks and Rec, right? Yeah. Leslie Nope is the person I aspire to be in all things. So maybe if some of that could rub off on me too. Uh-huh. 
I love Leslie Nope so, so much. <laughs> so I probably love Amy Poehler too, because, you know, you can't play a character like that for so long and not have some of yourself shine through. Exactly. Okay, what is something unexpected that has changed about you in the past few years? Actually, in the past few months, my ex-husband and I have made the very, very difficult decision to go through with a divorce, which is the unfanciest thing that Mm. a person can go through. And so we are both really doing our best to build a solid and supportive co-parenting relationship through all of this, like despite the marriage no longer being present, we are still really committed co-parents. So that's been the the big impetus for lots of stopping to reevaluate myself, my values, you know, what I want out of life, things like that. Wow. Did you recently then move from a hospital teaching setting to an ambulatory teaching setting? Was that, is that kind of a change that occurred while you were reevaluating and reassessing everything your family needs? Right. And that actually, you know, With COVID, all of the timeline kind of mushes together, but everybody has had to stop and say, something's got to give. And so that actually happened before the split, recognizing that, hey, it's not going to be guaranteed that my childcare is five days a week anymore. And whatever Mm -hmm. flexibility I can have is is really going to be needed. Yeah. Yeah. Have you figured out living arrangements and such? Yeah. And that's it. Uh, One of the things that's actually happened recently is I have, you know, become a homekeeper in my own right and tackling jobs. So I actually had a toilet incident already as a, oh, no. <laughs> as a newly single gal. <laughs> yes. What happened was is I, I am 99% certain that it was a Hot Wheel that was the instigating factor <laughs> down the toilet, given my four-year-old son and the triple digit Hot Wheels that are in the house. We had this toilet that just was not flushing all the way. And so me being the empowered woman I am, you know, I go and I get on YouTube and I figure out like, okay, well, these are the steps you need to do to stake a toilet. It's like, okay, I got this. I can do it. And I call up the local repair place and I get this guy on the other end. I was like, hi, I need to rent a toilet snake. And this guy on the other end just gives me this, this attitude of like, Ooh, little lady, have you tried plunging it? And I make that emoji face, the one with the little, little slits in the flat mouth. And you're like, are you, are you kidding me right now? Have you tried plunging it? What kind of an idiot do you take me for? Yes, I have plunged it. Yes, I have done the liquid drainer. I think there's a Hot Wheels in it. Can you rent me the toilet snake? Oh, well, you may scratch your toilet. I am aware. Can you rent me the toilet snake? Oh, well, if it's bad enough that you need a toilet snake, you should call a plumber. I'm just sitting here thinking, in my training, I I would put swans, gans, catheters in. So I I wanted to say to this man, like, I can take a needle, put it in your neck, thread it through the right side of your heart, and wedge it into your pulmonary vasculature system. Rent me the stinking toilet snake. (laughs) The medical side of me, in combination with the female side of me, is so happy right now (laughs) with your explanation. Oh, so funny. Oh, my gosh. So, yes, I have the physical and cognitive abilities to thread your little wire thing down the toilet pipe. Promise. All will be fine. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, I went full Karen on them. Did they finally rent you the darn thing? He refused. He (gasps) absolutely refused. I, I had to hang up. But, yes, Home Depot will do it for $11 without the condescension. 
Um, ah, and okay. I, I went, I went full suburban lady on their social media. I was like, here's, here's what's wrong, man. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. And I did get the hot wheel out. You did. And it was a hot wheel. You were right. And you were <laughs> completely capable of sneaking your toilet. We had a toilet in our house in Reno that was so persnickety. My husband finally bought, we have, too bad you don't live next door, cat, because we have one. <laughs> And it's professional grade. And we've used it a whole bunch of times. <laughs> Even as your delicate female self. Uh, totally. Hello. <laughs> I know how to use YouTube as much as the next girl. <laughs> if there's one thing doctors know how to do, it's learn, right? Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, as you remember, the point of this podcast is to share our not so fancy moments, which you've already beautifully done. So that the listeners feel less alone in their imperfection and can see how a bond can be made over sharing these stories. So what constellation of not so fancy stories has occurred to you to share with us today? These are my dog ownership stories. (laughs) My family has had pets since I was very small. And so we all have these dog and cat stories. But I have these three dogs that were part of my life who have made me much less fancy at at times. Similar to children, but hairier. (laughs) Yes, Uh, but we love them all the same. Yes, of course. So the first dog was Coda, who's still with us today. And I first should have really understood that Coda was a bit of a troublemaker because we were at a house that had these six foot tall brick walls around the backyard. And I sent the kids off to school and daycare and I was home you know, cleaning or puttering, whatever. And I see Coda at the back door and there's something in his mouth. And I look and it is half of a cat. Oh my gosh. (laughs) How big is Coda? Wait, back up. What kind of dog is Coda? (laughs) Coda is a mutt. We think there's Husky. We think there's Catahoula Leopard Dog. He is about... I'd say above knee high, gangly, 50-ish pounds. And so he is so proud of this half an animal that he has brought for me. And so once I stop with the like, ew, 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 uh, and I pry it out of his mouth with a stick, I'm thinking, okay, well, where's the other half? (laughs) And I, I go like law and order style investigation of the backyard. And I'm, I'm trying to find the, the scene of the crime here. And there is no bloodstains. There is no signs of a struggle. There is no other remnants of this cat. And so I, I look at the dog who's just sitting there with this doofy little grin and wagging his tail. It's like, I did good. I come to the conclusions that either he ate the front half of the cat in record time, cleanly, pristinely, like Dexter style. <laughs> Surgically. <laughs> Ew. Or some other creature deposited the back half of the cat in our walled off backyard for him to then bring to us. <laughs> so the other half of the cat has never been found to this very day. No, it. God rest you, half a kitty. <laughs> yes. Walk me through your disposal of said <sighs> corpse. <laughs> half corpse. Um, Dimmy corpse. Half corpse. Thankfully, I you know how when you have small children in a backyard, there's always some mangled piece of lawn toy that, you know, like you've been meaning to throw out. Yes. So I think I, I, I scooped it up with the plastic, whatever it was that was out in yeah. the backyard for ages. Petrified pool noodle or something. Exactly. And scooped that off into the 
industrial grade bag and into the trash. (laughs) And yes, I did brush the dog's teeth after. You did? Big of you, big of you. I did. Whenever my dog has something nasty in her mouth, for a couple days, I'm like, ew, don't get near me with that mouth. But I still don't brush her teeth because I barely was able to brush my kid's teeth. That's just a daunting task for me. Do you have a special doggy toothbrush? Yeah, well, the the key is the beef flavored toothpaste. (laughs) I see. So they happily have their teeth brushed if you put beef flavored toothpaste on it. <laughs> yeah. So probably the wrong condition is like, Ooh, I got this, this lovely treat. I should find more half of half of animals. That was positive feedback. Oops. But what can you do? <laughs> right. And so what happened as a result of the positive feedback is, you know, fast forward, like three years later, we are in our nice little suburban home, which is now an open backyard, you know, no fence. Cause he is 11, 12 years old at this point. So he is officially old man dog and he will trot out to the backyard, do his business and trot back in and lay on the couch. But evidently, there's that little bit of prey drive that is in there because we come out to the backyard and there is a chicken. There is part of a chicken in our backyard. Wait, wait. With feathers on or off? There were still some feathers on it, yes. Okay, so it wasn't like out of somebody's grocery bag. It was like no, a, no. a live this was chicken. Like, okay. Yeah, well, formerly live chicken. Yes. It was no longer with us. Recently live, not yet plucked and processed. Okay. (laughs) And so, I mean, the question is, is why? Why? Why is there a chicken in our backyard that Coda is again standing proudly over? I did good, guys. Brush you things. So I come to find out that our neighborhood was zoned for families to keep chickens. And I find out through the neighborhood grapevine whose chicken this was. And I go and research where nearby that you can actually buy chickens and they sell gift cards there. So I, I had to very shamefully like, we'd only been in this new house for a month or two at this point. And so this is my, my introduction to the neighborhood of, hi, sorry about your poultry. Here's a gift card. Because <laughs> it was fall. So like that was not chicken buying time you buy chickens in the spring these are things i've learned yeah well you know Um, and here's i actually have chickens now but three three years ago i would have been like what are you even talking about i mean my life is just completely different but um yeah so i went through the chicken buying process this spring and here's the lady was like okay you're going straight home right don't let wind get on them they might just drop dead and so i was like I mean, I've taken care of tiny little preemies in the NICU before. And, you know, I was treating these chicks like they were, (laughs) you know, made of crystal or ice or something. And lo and behold, they all lived. And I was real proud of myself. But I can imagine that if you had shown up with a baby chick, they would have been like, I am not prepared to raise a baby chick at this very moment. (laughs) So the gift card was a really good idea. I didn't want to compound the problem. I was, you know, like already, I'm, this is not the best introduction I wanted to make. <laughs> but that was really neighborly of you. See, here's the thing. If your chicken gets eaten, that's on you for not putting them somewhere safe. I think that was highly neighborly of you to give that person a chicken gift card. So I guess their, their prey proofing was not up to Coda's standards. He'd already had some practice <laughs> with, the, with the cat. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was never convicted of the crimes. Uh, yeah, he might have just been playing with garbage, right? You never know. <laughs> Next was Callie. 
Kelly belonged to the woman that was my mother-in-law. And my mother-in-laws that I had were just amazing women. They were kind and sweet and patient. So she was, she was the mother-in-law that I love, you know, like mm-hmm. wanted to do nice things for. <laughs> and she would always dog sit for us previously. And so the one time she needed us to dog sit, yes, absolutely. Of course. So Kelly shows up at our house and, and has a week with us and the kids and the family. And it's a, you know, she's kind of a puppy. So it was interesting in the house mm-hmm. and it was time for Kelly to go back home and they had been traveling and, you know, they were going to quarantine after COVID times and travel. So I, dro- I was dropping Kelly off before they got back. And so I actually volunteered for the job. It was this like kind of cold, kind of wet, rainy night. And I said, that's fine. I will put the dog in the car. I will drink my warm beverage and listen to the fancy free podcast <laughs> while I drive. Perfect. But here's where I found out that Callie does not like to ride in cars. I learned this because she started in my passenger seat, you know, kind of strapped in with the seatbelt just a little bit. And then she starts nervous panting. Uh-oh. And so then she starts scrambling around and she gets into the back seat. I'm like, okay, well, fine. If, if that's where you want to be, cool. I will keep driving. And I'm just on the surface streets at this point. And somehow in the back seat, she manages to scramble up into one of the kid car seats and then gets a paw on the power windows to go down. Oh, no. Yes. So this is like Marley and me style. So she has, she, she gets the window down. She is halfway out of the window by the time I'm realizing what's going on. And I I do that thing with like one hand on the steering wheel. I'm just barely like getting my foot onto the brake and pulling to the side of the road while grabbing at the hind leg that I can still reach as she's hanging out the window (laughs) while, you know, every, every drop of adrenaline is being dumped into my vasculature. Yes. So, you know, car comes to a stop, dog comes to a stop. I, I learned to breathe again on the side of the road. <laughs> okay. I pull her back in. I then wrap the leash in a way around the safety belt so she can't do that again. So she is in the passenger seat so I can keep an eye on her. <laughs> but then I get to the freeway. She is making that I am nervous to the point of pooping thing. Oh, no. And under normal circumstances, this wouldn't have been so bad. Because I, I drive the mom Prius with the artificial leather seats that can get cavity wiped down in cases of emergencies. Yeah. But the problem was is that this was during resident interview season. So, you know, the big match that happens every single year. Yes. We were deep into it. And so I kept bringing applicant files home to review and score and rank. And there was a stack of said files on the passenger seat. Oh, dear. Yeah, so <laughs> bowels are emptied <laughs> onto the files. No. Ew. I already have a bad track record with applicant files because the year before this, in during our interview season, there was a water main break above my office and the ceiling <laughs> caved in and wrecked a whole bunch of files that year, too. She is a mishap magnet when it comes to these files. <laughs> But yeah, so the story ends on like a dark and stormy night, me trying to scrub out my car in my in-law's driveway and scrub her down in their bathroom and then leaving a little note that says, Kelly had some tummy troubles (laughs) because they're so kind. They are such kind and sweet people that I don't think I ever really told them what all went down in the car. (laughs) And then inside you're like, no good deed goes unpunished. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So frustrating. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But yeah, so, you know, by the time this airs, hopefully we will have matched all of our residents. And I I may or may not have to say like, oh, hey, I remember you. My dog crapped on your file. (laughs) 
That's right. Don't ask me to pull your file out. We won't be happy about it. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so cute. Yes. Any good dog story, I mean, of course, is going to end on on the raunchiest note. So this was Hurley. This was the first dog that I co-owned as an adult back when I was in medical school, actually. Hurley was this sweet little fluff ball of a little black dog. He was probably about knee high. And he technically belonged to my boyfriend at the time, my, my medical school boyfriend. And, you know, when you, as you have sleepovers with your medical school boyfriends, he would, you know, occasionally get into the, the laundry hamper and fish out my underwear. Mm-hmm. And this becomes relevant because I took said boyfriend and said boyfriend's dog home to meet and visit with the parents. I hadn't really told them at this point that it was a spend the night kind of boyfriend yet. I'm sure I was, you know, 23, 24, whatever. And they mm-hmm. probably figured that out. But anyway, so we meet all the parents. Everybody's getting along. All, every, all is well. But then Hurley needs to go out in the backyard. And I had already told my dad, I was like, oh, well, we'll clean up after the dog. Don't worry about it. But my father is fastidious when it comes to his lawn. So he was only going to let the dog poop be on the grass for, you know, three seconds before scooping it up. We were in the house doing something else. And so I, I did not firsthand witness what happens here, but I did get the report later. So, you know, Harley does his business. And then after he comes back up, he does this funny little like hop and then walk and then squat again. And, you know, it's not really going well. And so my dad is looking at the dog and he sees something red, uh, like a, a red string or something in the poop. I said, oh no. And, you know, he's the kind hearted man that he is and is worried for the dog's health or safety or whatever. And he gets closer and yes, he sees, in fact, there's little like beads on a string, uh, pieces of poo along this red string. And he, he very carefully like steps on the end of the red string. And of course, really, jumps off and jumps away and out comes the the remnants of it. And there is my dear sweet father looking down in his backyard at what he now realizes is his daughter's red lacy panties that have just come out of the rear end of her boyfriend's visiting (laughs) dog. (laughs) So many simultaneous realizations are occurring at this very moment for your father. And he's all very proper in Midwest. And, and so when he, he comes back into the house to, to tell all of us what has elapsed out there, um, he's, he's trying to find the right words of, you know, I, I think Curly passed all of what he ate. I think it was your underwear, dearie. <laughs> And I, I just die on the spot. And I'm, I'm positive. Uh, so my boyfriend, who then became my husband, uh, died on the spot as well. I bet. <laughs> Son, just, what is your dog doing with my daughter's underwear in his GI tract? <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, yes, I married him. I gave my parents two beautiful grandbabies. And so I'm sure most of this is forgiven at this point. But oh gosh, I the cumulative embarrassment in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Hurley, who felt all better having been relieved of his. Yes. He's like, ah, that's, that's good stuff right there. I feel, I feel fabulous. And everyone else is trying not to make eye contact with the other members of the family. Oh. <laughs> uh, but that's always the case is that, you know, this horrific thing has happened and the dog is oblivious. The dog just oh, thinks totally. this is the best day ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As all the humans suffer. 
Well, I think we can we can acknowledge the fact that animals bring a lot of joy, even when they bring all of this not not so fancy stuff, which is not joyous in the moment. You can at least look back on it and laugh. And the dogs are just as happy as ever. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, That's great. I love it. I love it so much. Yes, those are good stories. Oh, Kat, you're so funny. I love how you tell a story. It's like no one else. You're very unique. You're made for audio. I don't know. You have to start your own podcast or something. <laughs> I still laugh about the texts that ended up going to your room. Oh. So you guys, if you didn't, If you didn't hear Kat's original episode, you have got to go back and listen specifically to how in the world it was that Kat sent a text that said, suck it to her resident. (laughs) My male chief resident. Yes. (laughs) At the time. Uh, Oh my gosh. And you can ponder how, how it would happen to have anything to do with a book about succotash, but, but it did. (laughs) (laughs) And a mischievous four-year-old. Tell our listeners what you've been loving lately that you think they might love too. First off, uh, the High Fidelity remake on Hulu with Zoe Kravitz is just genuine gold. The original was a movie with John Cusack based on a book by Nick Hornsby. So all of the source material is great, but the new remake's fantastic. And so ultimately what that means is I have gotten into vinyl. Uh, you know, I went off Amazon and got the old school record player with the needle that goes down and my kids love it. Oh, really? It There is something so special about the way a record sounds, for sure. And it's kind of mesmerizing to look at, too. It is. And so we set it up in the living room, and there's, you know, like a big squishy rug in front of it and two chairs next to it. So now what my kids and I do, if we're bored on a Saturday, we go down to the secondhand record stores all around the city, and we spend $2, $3 on an old secondhand record. So we found Dr. Seuss reads the Sneetches. We found Diana Ross, greatest hits. It's been so fun just for them to see the record play and, oh, can we put this one on? Oh, can we put this one on? And it's just been this really awesome family bonding time. Either it's listening to stories or dancing. And then the treasure hunt that goes along with searching for him. Oh my gosh, it's so neat. And zero screens. Just your ears and your mind and your body and whatever else. I think that's actually going to maybe have to go on a gift guide this year. That's a great idea. And the record players, I I spent less than $50. It's the little suitcase one that you can pick up and carry wherever you want to go with it. And it works great. For an investment of $50 to $70, you can set yourself up with a nice retro record corner. Uh, That's awesome. How fun. I love it. Okay. Tell the listeners where they can find you online. I am inked underscore caduceus at Twitter. I am intentionalmeded.com for my website where I try and keep up to date with my thoughts and observations about what it is to be a medical educator in the post-COVID era. Oh, wow. Yes. Interesting and so challenging. Oh, my gosh. You're so much fun. I do not wish you more embarrassing moments, but I do wish you more memories of past embarrassing moments because as soon as you get another group of stories on Cat, you got to come back. I certainly will. It was always a pleasure. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh, you guys, that was so much fun. Thank you so much for listening to the Fancy Free Podcast today. Make sure you check out the show notes at fancyfreepodcast.com slash episode 104 so that you can get all the links we discussed today. Thursday, we are going to have a special episode with Dr. Michelle Dang, and she and I had so much fun chatting too. And I'm going to be on her show the same day. Remember to follow the Fancy Free Podcast wherever you're listening so that new episodes pop into your feed each week. I still have my amazing interview with Leanne Morgan that's going to pop into the show. To be honest, I'm kind of waiting until I get my next shipment of Shelfie Shop cozy clothes because Leanne and I had so much fun discussing those and I'm going to send her some. And I'd like for the show to kind of line up with her letting me know how she loves your cozy clothes. So that I am holding back and am so excited for you guys to hear. If you have a story to tell, email notfancy at fancyfreepodcast.com and I'll read it on the show as a listener story or you can record a voice memo and send it to me there or go straight to fancyfreepodcast.com and record a voice memo right on the website. Have a wonderful week and remember, no one is as fancy as they look.